Hey guys, in today's video, I'm going to do a raw reaction to a Chris Crone video that says using life insurance to buy real estate. Chris has 883,000 subscribers at the time of this recording. So this will be a very interesting video for me to watch and uh, analyze as we go through. So without further ado, let's jump in. This is Better Wealth with Caleb Williams. Today, real estate and life insurance are getting married, and I wanna share with you why. A lot of you are like, what? You can use life insurance to buy real estate? My friends, that's something that I do on a regular basis. And if you love the idea of making tax-free money, if you love tax-free growth, if you love tax benefits and tax efficiencies, I'm gonna tell you right now, that's why I marry real estate with life insurance. And today, what I wanna do in this video is I wanna give you a real-world example of how I do this on a regular basis and how you can do this too. Let's assume for today's conversation that you've set up a smart insurance policy. What we're talking about is whole life. It's not term insurance. And whole life means that every month when you put money into it, a little bit of it goes towards your death benefit and a big part of it goes towards your living benefit. And so it's cool to have something for our loved ones when we pass on, but there's a massive benefit that you stand today to gain because there's living benefits of how you do this. Let's just say for a moment that in your life insurance policy, you've been paying into it for a while, and let's just say theoretically that you or someone else's policy has built up to $30,000. And this is what is called cash value. So I have my whole life policy, I might have a death benefit, let's just say for $1 million if I die, but I have a cash value that is building up above and beyond the immediate benefit that my loved ones get if I die. And that benefit is called cash value. Now, if you set your policy up the right way, and by the way, at the end of this video, I'm gonna introduce you to the guys that do this the right way, because nine out of 10 don't know how to structure it the right way. They're also not incentivized to structure it the right way, because they earn less commissions. I'll share True. with you some of the dirty secrets of that industry, but how smart people like you and I can help you work around it, my friend. Now, let's just say that you or someone you know has $30,000 of cash value. And let's just say for all intents and purposes that we want to pull it out and that we want to put it into a piece of property. So it's a down payment on a property. We'll say that the value of the home is $150,000. And now we're going to owe roughly $120,000 because we put a 20% down payment, which is $30,000. And it came from our life insurance policy. Now, first of all, understand this. A lot of these policies, when they're set up the right way, they're earning you a dividend. In this case, let's just say that while it was sitting in cash value, that it was earning 5%. It's often doing that or more over your last 10. Touch at this at the end, but that can be misleading to say a 5% dividend. 23 year trends. But if I want to pull it out, the bank of the whole life policy is going to say, Chris, you got to pay something to borrow that money. So I'm borrowing it from myself that I put in and they're going to let me borrow it plus or minus 1% of 5%. And so what that means at the end of the day is maybe I have a 1% cost. 1% 1 on 30,000 comes out to being about $25 a month. Good news. Guess what this property's producing? It's producing a positive cash flow, meaning after the mortgage is paid, it's paying me, let's say, $300 a month. Now, can you afford to borrow at 25 when the cost is 300? Yes, but I'll do you one better. You don't have to pay this 25 bucks. 
Next month, your policy, if you were to die as in a million, it would be $9,999,975. So it actually just comes off of the benefit because it's never gonna come out of your pocket. That's actually cool. So really my cost is $25, but I don't even have to realize it. This $300 a month, that's now cash flow that I get. Now check this out. Let's say that I hold this property for five years. And because I was earning a 20% annual ROI, if I make 20% of my money this year and 20% next year and 20%, 20 and 20, after five years, I made 100% of my money, which means I sell this and I get back how much? I get back $60,000. $30,000 that I put back in, guess what I'm gonna do? I can put that right back in my life insurance policy. I'm back to earning 5% and it's growing tax-free. Cool, right? but I have 30,000 left over. Guess what I can do with that? I can maneuver that or this money and that money, and now I can put them into multiple new projects. Now my cash flow isn't $300 a month, now my cash flow is $600 a month, and guess what, my friend? You are on your way. Now this is the cool part, final thing that I wanna share with you, is that in the beginning, this whole life insurance policy, it helps you get some initial steam and momentum. You do a deal. But one turns into two, and two turns into four, and four turns into eight, and 16, and 32. And before you know it, the amount of time that it takes you to make a little bit of money is the same amount of time that it takes to make a whole landslide of money. And that's the whole point here. Real estate and life insurance should get married. Now in the description below, before I share this last bonus with you, there's a team that I've come to know and work with, and these are really good guys. They've got an amazing, huge firm, and they believe that it's important for you to put your money into life insurance and be able to pull it right back out to support your entrepreneurial advances, your business, and most importantly, real estate. So these guys will actually structure these deals in a way that most insurance people never would dream of because they earn these tiny little minuscule commissions, but it's in service of you. It's in service of your best interest. They are amazing at what they do in the entire financial planning industry, and they get the crown jewel of real estate investment. So check it out, my friend. Just a couple of last reasons why I think that real estate and life insurance deserve to be married in your world is that number one, both of them have the ability to grow tax-free. Number two, they can sit inside of each other at the same time and produce multiple benefits. Number three, they combine produce returns way bigger than the stock market. And if the stock market can't in 30 years produce enough for you to retire, this vehicle certainly has the potential and the ability. Number four, both produce a residual income. You know that one of my rules of investing is that it's gotta pay me to actually be an investment that isn't classified as speculative. And number five, life insurance is untouchable, so while your money's sitting into it, no one can ever lay their hands on it. And then the last benefit is that real estate has the potential to double your money fairly quickly. So you combine all those together and guess what you get? You start getting a super sophisticated super strategy. Now, when's the right time to put something like this together? What comes first, the chicken or the egg? Is it real estate or is it life insurance? Let me tell you right now. First of all, let's talk to those of you that have some money and those that don't. For those of you that have money in a 401k or an IRA, you're late to the party. Imagine a bank account making you 5% on your money that you can then direct and do other investments. The time would be now. But for those of you that actually say, well, Chris, I'm just starting out. I don't really, I've even hardly started saving money, but I'm just, I just got a job. I'm just starting to get ahead a little bit. Rule number one is you've got to pay yourself 
first. And where you put that money should undoubtedly be in life insurance. So let's say that in the beginning you were gonna save $100 a month or $300 a month. You should try to save as much of what you're making in the form of paying yourself above and beyond your bills. Stop using the money to support your lifestyle and start using it to support your future and the life that you're creating for yourself. Life insurance is your brand new bank. And so whether you're saving 100 a month, 300 a month, or 3,000 a month, this is every month where you wanna stockpile the money. It's growing, it's untouchable, it's producing great benefits, it's growing tax-free, and it's just waiting for the day when you get to access it to put it into another investment vehicle. So my friends, the time for getting started with this kind of strategy is now. Now there's a number of different people that you could talk to about setting this up, and if you know someone in life insurance, they likely do not know have this strategy or the type of bank where they can set this up the right way. In fact, I'll tell you that over the years, I have only found a handful of people out of hundreds that have the ability to do what I'm talking about. You can find a hookup for a list of those individuals if you actually click in the description below. And if you talk with any of them that come from that link, trust me, they know what they're doing. They have your best interests at heart and they understand that real estate is the crown jewel. Overall, I thought he did a pretty decent job, but I wrote a couple things down and I would love to hear your thoughts in the comments. First thing is he talks about 5% dividend. And I think this is a common misconception because we talk about a 5% dividend. You think you're getting paid 5% interest, but really what we have to do is look at the internal rate of return. And what you'll find is in a lot of properly structured, overfunded life insurance policies, you're gonna get anywhere from three and a half to maybe four and a half internal rate of return, IRR, long term, but that we're looking 20, 30 years out. And so when you reverse engineer it, you could say my internal rate of return of this policy is getting a three and a half, four and a half percent, but it has no tie to the dividend. Like the dividend could say 6%, but that doesn't mean you're actually getting a, a cash on cash 6% rate of return. And so the next point is when we talk about the loan cost, he talks about it being like a 1% cost. And that could be true early on. Obviously it could be higher if you're just comparing it to an internal rate of return versus just the loan cost. What I always like to say is we have to understand that life insurance has a lot more benefits than just the cash on cash. If we understand that life insurance has the compounded benefits, control benefits, the future option benefits, the living benefits from a standpoint of not just the death benefit, but the chronic illness riders. And we understand that life insurance as a whole creates a greater value to our portfolio than the cost of controlling, then it's a no brainer. Then it's like my money is getting greater value and I have the ability to go out and do real estate. And so that, that concept should be key. I just think a lot of times in the art of simplifying it, we can potentially be misleading as it relates to saying 5%, 1% difference kind of deal. As it relates to the death benefit of paying the cash, I think that strategy is great. Meaning that one of the benefits of using life insurance is it's an unstructured loan. And because it's hedged with a permanent death benefit, you can ultimately, if something does happen to you, or if you have outstanding loans, when you pass away, that death benefit can now repay back your loans and your estate or your family will get the difference of the net death benefit minus the outstanding loans. And so a lot of wealthy families, when they have multiple generations of people that have life insurance, they're doing this, they're utilizing their policies, knowing that when the next generation passes away, the death benefit's gotta go somewhere, it could repay back their loans. And so there's a way to really maximize compounding control to the next level if you understand how to use the death benefit as the ultimate way of collateral long-term. And so that's a good point. He talks about putting your money right back in the policy. Obviously, you're not putting your money back, you're paying back the insurance company, your money's continuing to stay in the policy. That's the point of 
collateralization and velocity of money. And he really talks about as a real estate properties get moving, you can velocitize just with compounding and just the ability to have your money in motion. And obviously this is true. We have a lot of clients who have hundreds of thousands of dollars in their cash value. And the more money they have at work, it just seems like deals come out and it really creates momentum for them. And so this is something that obviously when you're first getting started, no hope is every year you should be getting closer and closer to making deals happen. And obviously that should be an encouragement and a future pace for you and what's possible. He talks about structuring the right policy. This is so key. If you do not have a properly designed policy that's not getting you early cash value, if you're not working with someone that knows what they're doing, you could be listening to my videos and Chris's videos and all kinds of people. But if you're not set up for success, I'm telling you, it's going to be a miserable journey for you. And there's a lot of reasons why people don't have it set up is lack of education and just lack of just system to be able to actually fulfill on that. And then there's other reasons that he mentioned that why people don't set these up. But I truly believe a lot of people are just not properly educated as it relates to how to set these up properly. He talks about residual income. And I just found that a little bit funny because I don't see life insurance as a way to give me residual income. You could say that a dividend is a form of residual income. I see life insurance as a more efficient way to save and use my money. If we simply just say I could do real estate, like Chris said, and put my money in a savings account and do the 30,000 and real estate and all that stuff. But long term, my money residing in life insurance is going to get me not just a better compound value, my whole life is going to be better, no pun intended, because I have life insurance as an asset and that has an incredible value, not just in the rate of return. But I much rather have my money stored here with all the benefits I'm getting than in a savings account where my money's going back and forth. Like it's key to understand that. All right, I'm going to address when Chris Crone talked about $100 a month going into the policy. And he almost made it sound like regardless if you have $50 a month or $100 a month to $10,000 a month, you can start this concept. And I think the concept is solid. Like life insurance is a great place as a foundational asset. The nerd in me says if you only have $100 a month, there's a lot of fixed cost. And especially in the United States, like it may not be a good fit for you to do a whole life insurance policy depending on your age. Now, if you're a kid, it's totally a different story. But in a lot of cases, what we tell people to do is let's get term insurance that converts. So let's get your life insurance. Let's lock in your health rating. Let's give you the option to convert in the future to a policy like this. But let's make sure that we optimize your policy. And in a lot of cases, it may make sense to get term insurance, convert it in a year or two when you have saved up a couple a mini lump sum. And so that's just my nerd brain saying there may be more efficient ways than just starting with a hundred dollars a month but that's just a point that I wanted to make and then he talking about knowing the right person you have to feel good about the people that you're working with and know that your person knows everything they need to know about how the policy is structured the strategy but then also the mindset of okay when should you take a loan and when you shouldn't? And it's really simple. You should take a loan if the activity gets you closer to where you want to go and the activity gets you a greater rate of return than the cost of the loan. If it doesn't, then you shouldn't take the loan and you shouldn't use your policy. If it does, then the real question that you should ask, is that activity the best activity for what you should be doing with your time and money because then you're dealing with an opportunity cost. Like I wouldn't take a policy loan to make 1% more than the cost of my loan. Why would I do that? It would I would be missing out on potentially saying yes to buying a business or buying another real estate property or just holding on to that money for a future unknown option. And the last point that Chris made is knowing the right person. And this is what I would say. I 100% believe that you need to know the right person that knows how to set up these policies right, that can also be your strategist. And one of the common questions that we get is, Caleb, should I use my policy for X, Y, or Z? And just the quick 
policy framework here is number one, you should never use your policy if the underlying activity is not a greater value than the cost of getting that. So for instance, if the investment got you 4% and it costs you 5% of the loan, that you that's a negative 20% in that activity. I would never say, yeah, that's a great option. So if the activity gets you a greater rate of return than the cost of borrowing, then we're in the positive. And then the next question, is that greater rate of return? Is that the best thing that you should be doing? Because you could say yes to something and miss out on doing something that would be better for you. But that's the quick framework. It's, it's you you take opportunity costs and then you just take logic and make sure that you're not doing bad math and you're ultimately trying to make the right decision for you and your financial goals. Hey guys, I would love to hear your thoughts on Chris Crone's video and the points that he made, the points that I made. Love reading your comments and your feedback. If you wanna know more about this strategy, please check out our And Asset Vault. You'll see the link down below. And this is where we have all of our best knowledge and thoughts around life insurance and just the hacks that someone can use it to whether they buy real estate or invest in their business and really just hack whether it's cash flow or just really make sure that they're taking advantage of the most efficient place to save and store their money. And so make sure to check out that vault and we look forward to seeing you on the next video. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could hit subscribe, leave a review and share this with the people that you know and love.